0: We continue our series with Joseph today, looking at the 41st chapter of the book of Genesis. If you want to find that and like to follow along for the reading of Scripture. When life doesn't make sense, what do we do? When life doesn't make any sense at all, when life's events around us don't make sense, we can't explain them or understand them, what do we do? Right out of the heart of the life of Joseph and all that he went through. Chapter 41 marks quite a turn. In, uh, in Joseph's life and reveals God's involvement all along the way. Let me read to you a, a fairly lengthy section of this, chapter 41 of the book of Genesis. Remember, Joseph is in prison. He's had a dream. He's interpreted dreams for two of the officials of Pharaoh's court. One is restored to his service. The other one is killed. And Joseph asked the one restored to remember him, and he forgot him. Chapter 41, when two full years had passed... Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. and the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin, and, the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Verse 9, Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now there is a young Hebrew, uh, now a young Hebrew was in there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dreams. All things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, but the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought up from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can, when you hear a dream, can interpret it. Joseph says in verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, It is my dream. I was standing by the bank of the Nile when out of the river there came seven fat, sleek cows. They grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean and ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first, but even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good and growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to magicians, but none could explain it. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven ugly, lean cows that came up after are seven years, and so are seven years worth of the worthly heads of grain scorched by the east wind. There are seven years of famine, and it's just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but when seven years, but when seven years of famine will follow them, all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance of the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows, it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it. Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh, Be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since you have made this thing known to me, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to you. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Just a couple more. So Joseph's, Pharaoh said to Joseph, "I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took a signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in a robe in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck, had him ride second in his command, ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, "Make way! Thus he put them in charge, He put him in charge of the whole land. Of Egypt, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. An amazing story. It culminates the, the preceding chapters that have, have happened in such a, uh, an, an un- understandable way. What do you do when life doesn't make sense? When life's events doesn't make sense? How do we continue on? How do we grasp God in the midst of, uh, of events that we don't understand? I think that everyone here knows what I'm talking about. When life events take place that can't be explained. If you have not experienced that or don't know what I'm talking about, hold on. Life will bring you to that point very soon. Good people have bad things happen to them. Good people die. Good people get sick when when there's no evidence of that. Bad things happen to good people. Some lose their life prematurely as young persons. Some are inflicted with diseases and situations of the world that are not of their control. I remember speaking to a man shortly before he passed away that that actually had died of cirrhosis of the liver. And he said, Pastor, I have never had a, a, a taste of alcohol in my mouth. And yet cirrhosis of the liver is associated with some other kind of way. You know people as well as I that have had all kinds of terminal diseases without any, we, we think that if we live for God and we do what's right and we, we somehow chart our life after God, that God will exempt us from the really bad things of life. The Bible doesn't say that, by the way. Perhaps that's just good wishes on our part. But this is especially confusing to the person who has given their heart and life to God, who asks God to control my life and direct my steps and guide my way and to chart the course of my life, why in the world do things happen to that person that simply do not make sense to us? And how do we deal with it really is so important. In fact, how we survive and how we struggle and how successful we are for God in the times of life that we don't understand will really determine what God is able to do for us in the future. When life doesn't make sense, what do we do? I've met a few people that fall apart. They just kind of go undone at the seams when these things happen they become bitter and angry and critical and yet I've met others that that simply have trusted God through these times and God has led them through some intense and incredibly difficult times but brought them out on the other side in quite a victorious way Joseph was a man in scripture who lived almost half of his life wondering why he was 17 years old when his brothers captured him he was 17 years old when he began to tell his family dreams he had after he woke up, and they got mad at him, and his brothers hated him and captured him and intended to kill him, but instead put him in a hole in the ground so they could eat lunch. While there, there the caravan of traders came by, and they sold their own flesh and blood to a group of men they had never seen to take him to a place they did not know of with the idea they would never see him again. And then... In spite of all that, Joseph was begging them not to kill him, the Bible would say in, in the coming chapters, and begging them and pleading with them for his life, yet the brothers betrayed him anyway. Joseph was taken and sold as a slave in the town square on the auction block, 20 pieces of silver, the price for an average slave. Joseph was put in charge of a, the household of a man, and God blessed him, and he, he lived right, and he made the right decisions, and he, he was a loyal employee until the... The owner's wife got wind of Joseph and had other designs on him and other desires about him and tried so many times to seduce him to be involved in an adulterous affair with her. Joseph refused, in fact was so loyal to himself and loyal to God that that he couldn't have done anything better than what he did. And yet the desires of evil people prevailed. And she told her husband when he came home what Joseph had tried to do to her and without conducting a hearing without uh, doing interviews without seeing what the whole story is he believed her to the point that immediately he threw joseph in prison and joseph has languished in prison for for several years by the way prison's too good of a word for what joseph faced it was actually a hole in the ground a dungeon under the palace it was dark, it was dirty, it was filthy, it was, in, uh, it was not sanitary. There, the air was probably stagnant and no indoor plumbing. It was a terrible, terrible environment. The worst environment Joseph could have found in, his, in this time in his society without hope of getting out. The only way you got out of prison in this day was the person if the person who put you in prison changed his mind and decided you had served long enough and allowed you to get out. Or, or the, the leader of the country... In this case, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, would commute your sentence and let you out. Or, as most people happened, for most people, they simply died there and were carried out uh, and and with their life over. Joseph was in a mess. He had done nothing wrong. He had been true to himself. He had been true to God. He had been true to his boss. He He had lived admirably and rightly, and righteousness was the main tenet of his life. And it's been 13 years now since Joseph has gone through this incredible time of trials. Don't you think he wondered how and when and why and where? Don't you think there were times he was so discouraged he must have wondered if God is really listening, if God is aware? But chapter 41 tells us all, uh, that all of this is about to come to a dramatic end and change for Joseph's good. Because God knew what was happening. God was orchestrating the events that was happening. And God would see that his good would would prevail. His plan would prevail. And the good of Joseph would finally come to fruition. The good for Joseph. It's amazing. It's an amazing story of how to conduct yourself when the events of life don't make sense. And we've read the story this morning of how the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Two years had gone by. Pharaoh had a dream. No one could interpret it. They remembered Joseph, and to think that a Hebrew person is, is welcomed into the palace of the king of Egypt is miraculous in itself. By the way, the Egyptians didn't like the Israelites because the Israelites were keepers of sheep, and they were detestable in the eyes of the Egyptians. No Hebrew would have ever been allowed into the presence of the most powerful man on, in this part of the world at this time. Except Pharaoh was desperate. God had made him so. And finally, the cupbearer remembers. A couple of years ago, you got mad at me and the baker. You threw us in, in, in the hole in the ground. Uh, we had a dream the same night. We didn't understand what it meant. There's a Hebrew kid that down there that told us what was going to happen and what it meant. And it happened just like he said. And don't get mad at me, Pharaoh, for reminding you of these things. But if you're desperate, maybe. He could help, and Pharaoh doesn't seem to discuss it in Scripture. He immediately orders Joseph to come into his presence. Do you see that they had to shave Joseph, and they had to clean his clothes up, and they had to, they had to give him a bath and make him presentable into the midst of the most powerful man on earth who doesn't begin the conversation by way of introduction. But Jim simply says to him, I've heard you can interpret dreams. Isn't it did amazing in the midst of that setting? Don't you think Joseph had a whole afternoon's worth of things to tell the Pharaoh of Egypt? Don't you think Joseph would have liked to have told the king of Egypt how improper his captain of the army had been and, and, and how he had been so wrongly accused and wrongly imprisoned and what his brothers did and all the whole story? I think Joseph was begging to speak to the king. But when he finally got the chance, he responded only to the king's question. I'm not able to interpret anything, but I know a God in heaven who is. And we read the story, and you know it, very, very familiar, I'm sure, with the story of how the, the, the king told Joseph the story. Seven fat cows, they were, they were, I'm not sure I know how to describe a fat cow. <laughs> they were everything a cow should ever want to be. They were, they were champion steers. They were State Fair of Texas grand champion worthy, something like that. They were good-looking cows, whatever that m- might mean. And, and just as Joseph is seeing them feed, I mean, just as Pharaoh is seeing them feed in the Nile River, seven of the ugliest cows came up. Pharaoh even said, I've never seen cows this ugly in all the land of Egypt. And the ugly cows ate the fat cows, and you couldn't tell any difference. And I had this dream about a single stalk of grain that had seven heads on it, and, and they were plump and ripe and just perfect, and yet they came Behind them came another stalk of grain that had seven withered and shriveled and and heads of grain scorched by the east wind. And they consumed the good and you couldn't tell any difference. And what does it mean? And God gave Joseph the interpretation. And Joseph says, God is revealing to you what God is going to do. Joseph takes all the attention and points it to God. He doesn't say, I know this and I know that and let me tell you what's going to happen. He says, God is going to do these things and Tells them about seven years of abundance when the land is going to produce a crop like it's never produced before. But Pharaoh, don't get too cocky and don't think that it's going to happen forever because at the end of that seven-year period of abundance, seven years of famine are going to happen. And the famine is going to be so severe that you will forget the years of your abundance. That's a powerful statement. God's going to allow a famine to come across the land that you can't explain and understand, but it is going to be so severe you will forget all the good that's happened to you in the previous seven years. And then God inspired Joseph to say, "If, If I were you, I would appoint someone to be the minister of agriculture for this country, and I would manage the harvest. There's going to be so much food, you can exact 25% of it for yourself. You can store it up, you can save it. The other, the other three-fourths of the grain will be far enough to feed the people, and let's store it in seven years. And when the seven years of famine come, your people will have food to eat. And we know if you read further on down in chapter 41, you'll find that in chapter 42, you'll find that the years of abundance were great. And And Joseph began to manage the harvest, and they began to store up grain, and they built barns, and the barns couldn't hold it all, and they began to store it in open-air settings, and that couldn't hold it all. And the Bible makes this statement, they simply lost the ability to count and measure the abundance of what the land had produced. But in the midst of this, Pharaoh says, you're the most discerning man in all of Egypt, and I think you ought to be that guy, and I'm going to make you second-in-command. And I'm going to put a royal robe on you. That Say that's a coat of multicolored fabric better than the one Joseph had his father gave him. And I'm going to put a royal ring on your finger, a signet ring that, that allows you to stamp and seal and know that it's an official happening. And I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a gold chain about your neck. And I'm going to send word that you're second in command only to me. And when you get out in public, there's going to be men that go ahead of you that announce your presence and order the people to bow in your midst. And you're going to be the guy who God is going to use to save all of Egypt. What an amazing story. 24 hours before this happened, Joseph was a prisoner in a hole in a dirty, filthy uh, place under the palace with no hope of ever getting out. But God begins to reveal his plan. And in 24 hours, he raised Joseph out of that. And Joseph was in charge of everybody. In fact, without Pharaoh's word, Without Joseph's word, Pharaoh himself wouldn't do anything. Joseph was running the country. Could it be that God orchestrated these events and what people did to Joseph in such a way that God's plan went forward? Maybe we could even look at the prison underground as a holding cell until God needed Joseph to get up on the top floor of the building if the cupbearer would have remembered when he got out of prison and told Pharaoh about him. It's just possible that the Pharaoh might have elevated Joseph and let him go and let him go back home or do something. And where would he be when God needed him? It's kind of an interesting way to think about it, but I've come to realize perhaps God had Joseph in the holding cell. God had Joseph in the on-deck circle in the, waiting to get in the game. It just wasn't time yet, but when it was time, God needed Joseph exactly where he was. And God's plan elevated him to the right place. And Joseph would not only make sure that the Egyptians had food, in the seven years of famine, Joseph would be able to provide food for his very family, that his brothers that had betrayed him, and he would preserve a remnant of the people of God. And in all of this process, um, several thousand years in the future, a little baby would be born in Bethlehem from this very group of people would be the Savior of the world. What do you do in your life when life doesn't make sense? I've had a little time to practice that in the last uh, third of my life when life doesn't make sense. I mean, you you honor God, you trust God, you do your best for God, you live for God, you come to church, you pay your tithe, you, you serve when you can, you do all these things, and yet life events happen. Sickness comes you can't explain. All kinds of personal issues arise. you paid your tithe and still gone broke. What do you do when Life doesn't make sense, it's that way for all of us. But I want to remind you this morning that just because life doesn't make sense to us does not mean it doesn't make sense to God, and it doesn't mean that God is not working even the, the difficult things of life in a way for our good and His glory. That's what Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. And though men and people in our world, in disease and sin might inflict all kinds of issues on us, that is not something so great that God can't turn that around and use it for our good and for His glory. Joseph is a great example of that when, when, when the unexpected happens, when life doesn't make sense. Don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at the church. Don't get mad at everybody around you. Oh, we all have times of discouragement and and disappointments and we work through that but don't let them take root in your heart and life we 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 keep disappointment on the highway that goes through our mind let it travel don't encourage it to stop and take up residence Just because life doesn't make sense here to us does not mean it's the end and God has forgotten us and God has rejected us and God says no more and God says leave you to these uh, desires of others and, and the sinful world we live in. God claims His own. God loves His own. And God helps us even when we don't understand it. His ways are higher than our ways, the Bible said. And we can't explain and can't comprehend and all that's involved in that. God knows what and when and where and how. Perhaps there is somebody here today that needs to hear and be reminded of words we really know in our hearts and minds. Even though we don't understand life, God is there with us to lead us and guide us and direct us and protect us and give us strength and direction. In fact, when life doesn't make sense, it's not a time to get mad at God and balance and balance and try to uh, separate ourselves from God. Just the opposite is true. It's a time to begin to believe in God like never believed in him before. It is a time to trust God. We should always trust in God, but there's a difference in trusting God and trusting in God. We live in a world of people that trust in God. But it's another thing to trust God, to orchestrate the events for our good. Joseph is an example that when life didn't make sense, he just seemed to keep plugging away and doing the things that he was able to do and staying faithful to himself and faithful to him God, to God all along the way. I would remind you that, secondly, that God knows what he's doing even when we don't. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's going to do. And God was really the orchestrator of all of the events of chapter 41. Don't think these things just happened. Pharaoh didn't just have a bad dream one night because he ate something different. God caused Pharaoh to have a specific dream. The magicians and the wisest men in all Egypt who, had, who seemed to were blessed with an unusual ability to understand things didn't understand the dream because they couldn't do it. God saw to it that they could not understand. The cupbearer after two years of service didn't just happen to remember the guy down in the dungeon. God brought him to his mind and he had, gave him the courage to say to Pharaoh, Joseph didn't interpret the dream uh, just because he had the ability to do so god revealed it and joseph didn't get out of prison just by chance god ordered it and joseph didn't wasn't elevated to this position in egypt as he was because uh, just by chance god established it you see, chapter 41 is not necessarily about Pharaoh and about Joseph. It is about God stepping on the scene. After 13 years of real difficult living, God stepped up and said, I'm going to put all this together. It is for my good. It is for my glory. It is for the salvation of the race, of the, of the Hebrew race. And it is for Joseph's good. And it all happened because God said, it's time to send some dreams down to this guy. And It's because God said, I'm going to block the mind of the Egyptians and the wise men so they can't understand it. It's God that ordered Joseph out of prison. He put it in the cupbearer's mind. It is God that revealed the dream to Joseph. It is God that gave Joseph the courage to say, this is what you ought to do. And it is God that elevated Joseph. I'll tell you, there's a time in all of our lives that when events don't make sense to us and we don't understand when and why and where and how. There's a time if we trust God, God will see us through it in such a miraculous, marvelous way. Joseph just wanted to go home, get out and go home. God put him in charge of the very people that put him in the situation he was in. I would sure like to read the day when in the seven years of famine when Potiphar's servant of household came before Joseph begging for food. It's sure an interesting time, and we'll look at it, when Joseph's brothers show up and they're starving and they need something to eat. And yet Joseph is so far beyond all the the aspect of revenge and anger and hatred and bitterness that he carries about his duties because God was in control of all of this, and Joseph trusted God, and God brought a miraculous happening some people. Some people might have their miraculous happening when disease happens that they finally make it into heaven in the presence of God and they made it and they're successful, but God does so many more things to elevate people in such a way that you could only say when you describe it, it is just God at work. Chapter 37 begins Joseph's story. It would take him 13 years to live to chapter 41. But when he, got, when he gets to 41, God reveals himself and reveals his plan and reveals what he's trying to do and turns the table and takes, in a 24-hour period, he went from nothing all the way to the palace, second in command of the most powerful nation in their world at this time and, and not even a native of the country itself. There's only one way to say and describe what happened, and that is, but God said, this is the way it's going to work. And so for those of us, when we don't understand what's happening to us, it's not a time to give up, as I said. It's not a time to doubt God. It's not a time to get mad at the church. It's not a time to, 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 to seek revenge and all those kinds of things. It is a time to trust God and hold on to God and believe like we've never believed before and trust like we've never trusted before and ask God to lead us through these times and these ways in a way that honors Him and glorifies Him. And it will always be for our good. The final thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Our our hope must be in God. And hope in God must be the foundation that we build our lives on. Because the events of life are too strong if we're not grounded firmly in God. The happenings of people around us, the sin in the world that evades into our lives, the, the sickness and disease and all kinds of trouble that happens. It's an attack on us personally, and we're not strong enough to overcome any of it in our own strength. But God, but God is our hope to bring us through. And when we build our lives on the solid foundation of the truth of God's Word, He is able to prevail in the way that He wants to be. I don't know why it took 13 years. I don't know why Joseph endured 13 years of terrible treatment. I'll tell you, he sure matured in those 13 years. He sure was able to to be an administrator by practicing in these 13 years. He sure was able to step into the arena God had for him and and, and begin immediately because well, what he had learned in these 13 years. I'm just amazed that Joseph doesn't come out of the prison so angry, so upset, so hurt, so damaged so questioning everything about life that he's not of much use to anybody. I'm amazed that Joseph stepped on this platform when God opened the stage door. Joseph stepped front and center and knew his part to play and began to do it, and he, the, he became the salvation of the very people of God. It's all about God and building our foundation on him. Jesus tells a story at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Remember? About a wise and a foolish man. The foolish man built his house on sandy soil. And the waves came and the floods came and swept it away. But the man that built his house on the solid rock, on bedrock, found the same storms came and the wind blew and the waves crashed. And beat against the side of that house, Jesus said, and it stood firm because it was on the right foundation. What a great example for us. Our hope is found in jesus so what do you do when life doesn't make sense do what joseph does it's on the back of your your sermon notes hold on to what we believe about god when life doesn't make sense hold on to god joseph also worked faithfully for god wherever he was located third one is key joseph was faithful today in preparing for god's tomorrow number four joseph accepted the place where God had put him. How important is that? We pray for God's will. We pray for God to lead us. We pray for God to guide us. And then we're not happy and content when we arrive at the place God has sent us. Well, God didn't send Joseph all these places. But Joseph somehow had a way to grasp that his hope was in God. And he was going to be, find contentment in where he was and work faithfully through that. And finally, Joseph seemed to remember that God was his only hope he was in prison they threw away the key no advocate no evidence that anyone in all of egypt even knew who joseph was except the household of potiphar alone forgotten no hope of ever getting out no hope of ever seeing his family again except that his hope had to be in god and let me tell you folks that's enough to see you through Great, difficult days. Well, we read chapter 37 of Genesis and the trouble that happened to Joseph, but we don't understand why God didn't prevail. In chapter 38 and 39 and 40 through the workings of Potiphar and uh, all that Joseph was accused there, we sure don't understand why that happened. And the cupbearer even had an opportunity to say a good word for, Jesus, for Joseph, but didn't. And I don't understand that, but I understand it much better in light of chapter 41 when God showed up. And says, I'm going to make all things right. And all things will work together for the good of the person who loves God and is called according to his purpose for our good and for God's glory. When life doesn't make sense, hold on to what we believe. Work for God where we're at. Be faithful where we're at. Be content where where life has placed us. And hope strongly in God. He is our hope for the future. Amen and amen. And we trust that God will see us through.